0: All right, welcome back. Surf Chaos Podcast, episode 17. Uh, Today is uh, October 12th, 2019, and the Quicksilver Pro in France just wrapped up. And congratulations to Jeremy Flores for uh, winning the contest and being the first time he's ever won in France and the first time a Frenchman has won in France. So this is a a historic event uh, for him as well as for the contest. And I definitely say he deserved the win after watching the final day. He really dominated out there and was finding the best waves and getting the deepest barrels out of anybody. Uh, Watching the final event, I was very, very convinced. I don't think anybody else could have surfed it better than him. Uh, Watching the waves he caught, how deep he got in his barrels, and I was like, who else on tour... Would have done what he had done any better than he had done it. Maybe they've done it just as good, but I don't think anybody could have got any deeper in those barrels that he got. Uh, maybe could have put off a little action move towards the end, but that first wave he got, where he you know scored an excellent score in the nine point range, I uh, got super deep barrel, came out right at the very end there. I mean, I'm thinking you know Slater or John John, you know two of the best barrel riders in the world. Couldn't have done it any better than uh, Jimmy Flores on that day. So congrats to him. I, you know, never been a big, big fan of his. I think I've grown to like him more over the years. Uh, And definitely after this event, you know, definitely a big big fan of his again. And just, you know, looking at his track record, he's a very consistent surfer. And I think he gets underrated because he's never in the... uh, you know, world championship, you know, yellow jersey talk. But he's always in that, around that, hovering on that top 10 area. And, he, you know, he's never had to requalify qualify on the years he's been on tour. He always consistently stays right there. Uh, kind of flies under the radar. I think he gets forgotten until you get to these waves where uh, there's a lot of uh, barrels. And he's a really good barrel rider. He's proven that at Pipeline. And in uh, France, surprisingly, there are some big, beach break barrels and he dominates out there uh i think the next two events he's someone to keep an eye on especially for your fantasy uh you know going to portugal he, he you know where well, there are some uh, big barrels there and uh pipeline where he's he's won the event before so uh definitely someone to keep an eye on uh for the rest of the event uh i kind of just jump into the quarterfinals i'm sure everybody's seen the event but just Kind of uh, some highlights. Uh, there was definitely a lot of upsets, especially in the round of 32, which were upsets. Seemed to happen. Um, uh, I was really shocked by some of the losses myself. Excuse me. Uh, also, um, but the biggest uh, upset for me was Felipe uh, Toledo. But I don't think it was fully his fault. He was nursing an injury, and yeah, I just don't think he was surfing 100%. Whereas if he wasn't nursing an injury, injury, I think he would have done a lot better and moved on. And we might have seen a uh, yellow jersey change since uh, Gabriel Medina was knocked out around a 16. And so there wasn't a big, uh, there's still not a big point difference between uh, Gabriel Medina and Felipe Toledo. So as we're moving into Portugal, you know, we're going to see the um, world title race really tighten up or you know big and big separation As you move in the pipeline Um You know The exciting thing about Going to Portugal the, the world title Has been determined there A number of times Um Before going into Hawaii Um But I always think It's more exciting For it to happen in Hawaii Especially when you get down To like the final at Pipe It usually tends to happen Around the quarters Of semis It's really rare That it'll come down To the final event At Pipeline To really see who wins But I always think It's more exciting For that to happen Um so, yeah, so definitely, um, you know, title race is on. Um, Kelly Slater was knocked out in round 32. It was a close one. Him leading out um, of Fioravante. And then Yago Dor taking out from Colapinto. It was a close one as well. And then Italo uh, taking out Jesse Mendez. And uh, Italo making it to the finals. Round 16, some big upsets again. Um, that's when we saw Ace Buck and take out Gabriel Medina. And then... Jeremy Flores taking out Jordy Smith. That was another one. You know, Jordy was also in that world title hunt, being in the third position, right behind Felipe Toledo. Not many points back, and yeah, it's really down to those three guys uh, hunting for the world title this year. Obviously, Gabriel Medina has the yellow jersey and the lead. It's going to take a lot for these guys to overtake him. You know, knowing how good of a surfer. Gabriel Medina is, and it, it it's, it's really, you know, when he loses, you're like, wow, how'd that guy lose? He's so good, you know, and he catches so many waves, and he barely falls, but it's just, it, it happens, you know, it happens to the best, and uh, it's, I like to see, um, you know, like, it's, upsets are good, except for when it's on my fantasy and <laughs> the guys I pick lose, but, you know, anyways, but yeah, I really love to see Jordy Smith uh, get his first world title win, so this is going to be really exciting moving into, um, uh, into Portugal. Uh, Colohan Dino is still not totally out of the picture as he made it to the quarterfinals and, you know, sitting nice and strong there in that top five. Um, and, you know, he did lose to Italo. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a close one. We had a lot of, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Wildcar Wildcard Mark Lak Maya Lacamaya uh made it to the um quarterfinals as well and Jack Freestone took him out. And Jack Freestone's been stepping up last couple of events as well. And as well as Leonardo L- L- Fiorante. So it's pretty cool to see some guys uh on the bottom tier hopefully moving into that requalification for next year. And uh let's see where we're at in the rankings. Um, just to be exact, so yeah, so we have Game Medina sitting at forty-eight thousand points, very pretty in first place. It was only three thousand less than three thousand points behind Felipe Toledo, and then Jordy Smith uh, got forty-three thousand five hundred fifteen. So we're looking at about four thousand points there. So you know, it's you know, if Jordy can get a win, or even a semis, in uh, Portugal and Game Medina does not. You know, if he, can, if he loses around around 16 again, gets ninth place, w- we could see a shift there. And Italo was right behind him there in fourth place at uh, 42400 And then Kolohe and Dino's 41250 So, uh, top five in the hunt. The possibility is there. Uh, Kolohe can get a win. Really going to need Gabriel Medina and Felipe to the to not do well the next event. To really put some uh, excitement in the pipeline. Um. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough uh, for these guys. I Medina mean, is a super super talented surfer and uh, very strong competitor. Uh, but sitting at number eight is John John. Still, he has been out one, two, four uh, of the last events. He's been injured, and uh, he got a fifth place finish. Um, I believe that was J Bay, and um, yeah. So, and that's where he he stopped right there. He was injured. So, I, you know, I'm very confident if he had not had that, that injury happen, he'd be sitting in first place. Just looking at the points he has now and sitting there, even if he had ninth place finishes, he'd still be in first place. And you, know, everybody knows that John John would have at least won another event or made the semis for sure out of those last uh, five events where he wasn't in. Four, four and a half events. So he would be in first place wearing that yellow jersey. Um, so, hopefully, next year he'll make a full recovery back and we can see him uh, win another world title. I, When I was watching the event, um, it was Martin Potter and Joe Chappelle were talking about. I think Joe asked uh, Martin, uh, you know, how many world titles do you think Gabriel Medina is going to have? And he said six. And uh, I would agree with that. I definitely think the guy's going to. Do more than three. I think if he wins this year, he definitely has a few more on their own. But if John John um, can stay healthy for the next few years and it it's gonna be tough. I think the only reason he's he's gonna get this one this year is John John was out. So I think John John is capable of doing six as well. And then who you know, we, we don't know who you're gonna see in the next few years who's gonna pop on the tour and be dominating as well. You know, it's it's um I think we I think this year really we're starting to see this generation really sink in and starting to see that top ten. Uh, you know, without um, Mick and Joel and Kelly probably being on the pitcher next year, uh, really is this is a whole this is a new group that's finally kind of got their teeth in and they're going to be taking control of the top ten for the next couple years. Even some of the rookies are going to have a hard time kind of sneaking in there because you look at everybody on here; they've got top ten. We've got at least everybody's got at least five years. I think Hanoa is probably the newest, but he's still got a couple years on the tour as well. Um, and then you start getting down to like around the, you know, underneath the 22, you know, you got Yaga Doris, pretty young at the tour, Griffin Club Pinto, Jack Freestone, David Silva, uh, Connor Coffin. So yeah, those guys are really hoping to re-qualify for next year. And then, uh, Zeke Lahalp just fell below into 24th, but he, he moved up four points uh, from, from this event. So, And Leonardo Friarvante, he had a bunch of injuries, and he he moved up five points. He's sitting in the 30th right now. Uh, If he can uh, do pretty well next events, he might be able to be in that requalification as well. So, yeah, a lot happening. Um, And Adrian D'Souza, um, he only surfed three events this year. was injured for the last two and injured for the first four. Um, So I hope that he can get an injury wild card and be able to surf uh, in the events coming up. So we will see. Um but yeah, so moving into Portugal, um you know, I've this is a funny bit. My only my only thing with the the events in Europe and um South Africa living here in California is they happen at night and it's really difficult to watch them live. But you know, good thing now with the WSL app and being able to go back and see the replays, it's um it's not that big of a deal. Um and you know, sometimes if I can't sleep, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and just watch it for a couple of heats. It's kind of fun to see see the other side of the world and these guys dominating in good surf. But going into Portugal, um, it's it's going to be exciting. Hopefully we're getting some um, some good swell. It's definitely, like I said, a heavy barreling wave. Um, I, I'm jealous. I would love to be over there for the event, watching, um, uh, watching the event. Again, the surf um, and the down days, and eating some good food and hanging out there. I'm just going to go through uh, the past event winners. And Italo uh, did win the event last year, and the fact that he went into the finals this year, I would definitely have him on my fantasy pick for sure. And then Gabriel Medina winning in 2017, definitely someone very strong in the event. John John won in 2016, and Fleep Toledo won in 2015. Fleep Toledo, nursing that injury, I would be literal, you know, hesitant to put him in my fantasy lineup uh, for this event. I mean, if if he was 100%, I would feel very confident. But the fact that he, you know, didn't do so well and injury, he might even... And this might be a... He might be saying no to the title race this year just to take care of the injury. So we will see uh, this next event. I haven't heard anything else about it. And then you know moving back to 14 you get mcfanning 2013 kajaten in 2012 julian wilson uh julian wilson uh it has made the semis in the finals the past few years so he's someone else to keep an eye on and uh, you know he started looking better in the second half of the year as well so julian wilson if you're looking for a fantasy pick i definitely would have him you know he probably gonna be in that tier a pick as well they haven't released everything yet but um you know if he's in tier b definitely grab him if not um, you know, something you might want to think about between him and Italo. Uh, Slater hasn't won this event since 2010. i hasn't the pick Slater for this event. Maybe a pipe, I'll pick him, but I just feel like this, you know, he hasn't done too well. He keeps ending up. He can't ever get past that round three. And, um, you know, he, he's, he's, he's just not going to be able to do it anymore. I don't think Slater's going to win another world title. You know what I mean? I think he consistently can stay in that top 10 which is amazing, his age. I mean, he's done better than, you know, some of these guys, uh, you know, half his age and are surfing very well, but I just don't see it, it, him pointing it off. He's had his chance this year. He was surfing really, really well this year, but just, um, yeah, just don't see it happening, but it's okay, you know, things have to come to an end. I think we all love seeing Slater surf and don't think we're gonna stop seeing the Slater surf. You might not see him on tour, but we'll we'll definitely see him surf. He'll be, you know, I'm sure if he does decide to retire this year or next, you know, I'm sure he'll pop up for an event or two. Or there'll be lots of video of Slater surfing. So don't and he does, Don't you we worry. We, he's not, you know, just because he's off the tour doesn't mean he's not going anywhere. And and I, I thought I'd have a hard time, not like. I still have to tune in to see him surf, but seeing him lose so much—it's a little disappointing. And there's some guys now that I'm really excited to see surf, and that being the Brazilians like Medina, and Italo, and Toledo. Uh, yeah, It's just so exciting watching those guys surf right now. Uh, anyways, uh, I was thinking about this earlier as well. Um, the, the you know, there's always like a rivalry, you know on the tour and you know I you know I I really would love to see John John back at his best again and I really don't think there is a rivalry but to me in my head there's a rivalry between him and Medina those are the two best guys on the tour hands down and I think next year when we have both of them at healthy 100% I think when we get to this point of the the tour we're going to see a title race between them two and it's, it could be a rivalry over the next couple of years if both of them can stay at 100%. I love to see like Toledo and Jordy win a world title, and it's going to be tough when you have uh, John John at 100%. Um, and then, you know, looking back, you know, so 10, 15 years ago when you had Andy and Kelly, you know, they were both so good, and there was a rivalry right there. You know, they're both hunting on that role title. You know, there's always a couple guys that were trying to sneak in and you know, get a piece of it as well. And, you know, it's just too bad that uh, you know Andy um, is no longer with us, and you know we can't see his amazing surfing anymore. So it's um, you know it's part of life, and you know um, it's you know we're still yeah still in memories, and it's still seeing lots of um, inspiration from him. And you, you definitely see, you know, some of the young guys, especially coming out of Hawaii to you know, kind of replicating that style. Um, but let's see what the forecast is showing us for Portugal. Um, so it looks like it's a, you know it's a fairly active, uh, you know, Atlantic season right now. Um, it was, the swell was pretty big in, in France. I think that, you know a lot of days, but there was plenty of swell, but the winds just weren't looking weren't too well. So it was really big and messy. Um, so it looks like, according to this, it says uh, winds around the f- our next system of measure strengthens off the coast of Greenland early to mid next week and drags a frontal boundary towards the coast of Portugal. Winds around that frontal boundary produce a reinforcing pulse of west-northwest swell that shows in the afternoon on the 16th and offers head-high plus surf over the second half of the day. Mid-period west-northwest swell continues on Thursday the 17th with head-high overhead surf in the morning before easing into the afternoon. The key on Thursday will be the timing of the passing frontal boundary. Right now we expect a period of a.m. onshore winds for super tubos before the more favorable north-northeast winds develop stay tuned as we monitor the timing and strength of this passing frontal boundary For friday into the weekend 18th to 20th our focus would be on the storm force low that develops near Greenland and tracks slowly eastward into the northeast atlantic so we got a longer period of swell coming from this system and kind of fading uh at the end of the week um so it looks like we could have some waves at the beginning of the holding period but it looks like towards the weekend there we're gonna probably see um, uh, some surf. So, yeah, it's exciting. There's, um, looking at the model right now, there's definitely some uh, nice, good sized swell, but then it looks like a really big swell coming right after it towards the weekend. So, uh, I think we will see some good surf on hand as if the winds will cooperate. And I, yeah. Yeah, I think I've given my predictions. Um, I think it's pretty fair to say. I think everybody, um, it, it, it'll be um, it pretty obvious. I think who's going to win this one. But you never know. That's what's so great about the sport, and that's what's so great about um, you know about surfing uh, in the ocean too, compared as you know as compared to the wave pool. It's way less predictable and. You know, I think mentally, you know, you know, the surf ranch. Cool, I'm surfing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and that's it. You can be really mentally prepared. But, you know, you could show up Friday morning at the event, and you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And that, that could put some anxiety on yourself and, and me- mental game, too. And then this, you know, you wait around for six hours and nothing happens. <laughs> and then you come back tomorrow. And then, you know, you don't get a good sleep. And then, you know, something's a little off. You're not, you might have been feeling better the day before. And... So there's just there's definitely some mental game of uh, the unpredictability and not feeling the same 100% every day and trying to keep your focus. So I, I you know, I think moving in you know ha- having this contest um, no longer in weight pools, please. that's what I'm hoping um, because it really, really shows who is mentally prepared physically prepared and it's really, really at the top of their game um, in the ocean. And, you know, another thing about these events too, um, yeah, you know, I, get, I mean, this is something I was noticing to. I noticed some of the guys that's, uh, I could be totally off, but surfing in wetsuits um, might hinder some of the surfers. I noticed some of the Hawaiian guys don't do as well um, in the colder water as they do the warm water. Um, and not saying these guys don't travel enough and get to surf cold water, but I think there's uh, some guys that just feel a more comfortable in the wetsuit and and not. And cold water does play a factor in the surfing. And they go into Portugal as well. And France, um, in France, surf in a colder water. I think the Aussies are a little more comfortable. So the guys that surf West saws a lot or, um, you know, the South Coast. Uh, Californians, of course, it's kind of a year-round thing wearing wetsuits. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if, if it does play a factor or not, but I just was trying to, just something I observed. Uh, I know for me, it plays a factor. <laughs> if I'm surfing without West website I surf much better. Um, but the technology nowadays is so good. So, um, so the other thing uh, I was going to talk about was uh, my last podcast, uh, I did a uh, surfing history podcast at part one. And I'm going to do a part two. And I wanted to do it, um, this week, and I unfortunately didn't have the chance. Life gets in the way, you know. I'm also a parent, and you know, having a full-time job as well, I just wasn't able to squeeze in the time to uh, have the surfing history podcast part two. It's going to be way more in depth, and I am I'm getting more of more, more my nose prepared. Um, I keep finding out lots of cool, great information, especially about uh, the '50s in California and just some wild times that were happening and I just I really want to just get as much information as possible about this um the past and really that that, that time of like I, for me it just seems like the 50s and early 60s were such a cool time to surf cuz there was no one around it's like pioneer days and you had these like new boards like um you know like you're coming out of you know Coming off World War II, things are starting to get lively again back in the States, and times are changing, and, you know, you're not surfing wooden surfboards anymore. We got new technology with the fiberglass, and the boards are getting a little bit smaller, and the innovation's there, and then there's just this freedom guys are having with, like, you know, like, screw it. I'm going to do what I want. I'm just going to take off, and I'm going to move to Hawaii, or I'm just going to, like, drive up and down the coast of California, and there was, like, no one out. And you, I mean, can you imagine surfing, you know, down in San Clemente and trestles with, like, you know, three other guys or, like, any, you know, any of those great spots in San Diego or Malibu? I mean, I'm, sure, I'm not sure how crowded it was in Malibu in the 50s and definitely with some guys of like that, but nothing like today. And, you know, we're like, hey, it's driving in Mexico. You know, I don't, another thing I'm thinking about, you know, there weren't drug cartels in Mexico in the 50s that's a newer thing so i don't know what the safety was i mean i'm sure there was some dangers driving down in the 50s but i think driving the baja back then was probably a lot more casual a lot easier let's just do it you know I'm sure there's you know just as many dangers you know as there is now as, well as then but i still think there was yeah it's just wild times and they go into North Shore I can't even imagine what North Shore and I've seen videos and pictures of this like this dirt roads in the North Shore it's just like treacherous to get out there and there's like no one there I mean vland was like a it's an epic wave and it, like they named it after Dale velzy who was uh, a surfer who pay for the surf trips out there who owned a surf shop here in California that is yeah it yeah, is awesome this, the ex- that doesn't it's not going to happen anymore it's really hard to find Uh, new waves and places to surf without anybody. And, you know, when you do, it kind of gets blown up nowadays with Instagram and just all the technology out there. And, you know, we have like Google Maps where you can just say, all right, let's just look at the coastline and look at the probability of finding surf. So, I mean, that's why I think those days were really, they, they really attracted me, those 50s and 60s. Um, you know and also culturally what was going on you know this you was know, like just previewing on more in the 60s and you know have the, the hippie area this is you know there's a lot of culture change going on and uh, you know I think once you get to the 70s it seems like you know a lot of surf spots started getting a little saturated um, you know just with uh, you know movies that came out of surfing and it started getting a little more popularized around that time and that's when we started getting a little more of the uh pro surfing on but anyways I won't go too far into it right now um uh, it's just kind of the excitement that I I, I found looking into this and I, I really can't wait to you know dive into that podcast really soon um you know I just you know for me even thinking back to in the 90s when I started surfing and, and just um trying to do my own explorations <laughs> you know just just in the east coast in Florida and up to North Carolina um I kept my head, you know, thinking I was going to find some magical spot, you know, just doesn't really exist. But still, I I found waves um, without crowds that were fun, and that was what I was just looking for. Um, Just to get in the car with some friends, cooling up Florida. You can drive in a lot of of the beaches, North Florida, and you know, we just drive on the beach for miles, and like, look, no one's around. Oh, wave looks better here. All right, it's maybe the spot. And sometimes those banks can be good for few months at a time and it would just be like our spot we go to and uh no one would ever be there and we'd have waves that were just as good as any of the other uh, popular spots you know by the jetties and the inlets uh, that would be packed and we'd be like why waste our time surfing with all these other people when we can just go surf by ourselves in this spot car is right here the car has uh, lunch in it you know you know my, my, my Volkswagen bus you know had a bed in the back so we just have cooler in there park it open the back surf come in all you know all day long and you know the water was warm and it was a lot of fun uh and you know that's still an option in florida uh being able to have that warm water but you know to, growing up i, I didn't you know, now that i've surfed a lot of a lot better waves it's uh, the quality of surf just doesn't do it for me there anymore it's it's really far few and far between those days of good waves where here living it's it's you know, on an average day here is an epic day over there. So, um, but I still kind of I still have that uh, drive to look for waves uh, even here with the crowds. And you know I much rather find a spot with you know fewer guys out um, than deal with the crowds. And um, you know I, I would say up in Northern California I was able to find a little more hidden gems. Um, a little sketchy, just in that cold water and you know the sharky. Five, and uh as well in hawaii too definitely you know coming from florida to hawaii i still had that exploration um mentality in there like i get it there's gotta be something here that people are surfing and there was I've, i remember finding a wave on the east side of the island one day the winds i will switch offshore um occasionally on the east side so the winds normally blow the same Oh trade winds they just come and it blows onshore to the east. The wind north shore faces. Then those winds just blow offshore to the north shore. And you're getting all that north swell, west northwest swell, north shore. That's why you have this epic place. But Every now and then, the winds would switch. You get called the Kona winds. And then they would blow from the west. So the winds would be kind of onshore and then on the north shore or side shore, And then on the east side, it would be offshore. Or you'd have days where there'd be no wind at all. And, uh, and with and e- some swell over there too and uh i remember driving over there one day and i was just like looking, you know, yeah oh, it looks like a wave out there just paddle out and they were finding some really really fun spots and because of the distance to paddle out on the east side and just kind of the location of these waves I, I remember surfing a couple of waves with just a couple guys out and being really really fun and uh yeah it you know it wasn't by myself, but it definitely was fun surf with three guys out, and you can't beat that. But anyways, with thanks for tuning in, and uh, you know, it's uh, get excited for Portugal and Hawaii, and uh, we'll I'll, I'll definitely be tuning back in I'll really soon to talk about the Portugal event, and uh, like I said, uh, that part two of the surfing will be coming up very very shortly. Uh, this is so much information I've been digging up, and I just don't know where to stop and don't know where to start. So I am just kind of want to narrow it down so I'm not doing a six-hour podcast uh, on the history of surfing. All right. Thank you very much.